0: I wish it could be lower because I know that any increased cost right now is hard for people to bear.
1: Here comes the tax man, the Toronto spending plan surprise and why it could mean a bank account hit for property owners across the city. Good evening. Toronto's mayor says he wishes things could be different and tonight residents are likely wishing that too.
2: John Tory says he has no choice but to hike property taxes. to me- The measure is to, help- to make up for a multi-million dollar budget shortfall. CTV's Allison Hurst is at City Hall and joins us live tonight. Allison,
3: this year's residential tax hike is substantially more than last year. In the 2022 budget, homeowners saw a 2.9 percent jump. This year, it's almost double that. As city councilors dig into Mayor John Tory's 2023 budget, many worry it's on thin ice.
4: I'm deeply concerned.
3: The proposed $16 billion operating budget includes the highest property tax increase in the mayor's tenure and leans on investments from other levels of government.
4: It just assumes that billions of dollars are going to fall out of the sky from other governments to fix our problems. And if they don't, we are in very, very serious trouble. I want to be clear and honest
0: with people. We cannot bring this balanced budget forward without the shortfall that we face because of COVID being backstopped.
3: Tory has long promised to keep property taxes under the rate of inflation. That's 6.6%, and he's proposing a 5.5% property tax hike. But that doesn't include the city building levy, which is going up 1.5%, making it a total 7% increase for Torontonians from last year.
0: But I recognize it is nonetheless a significant increase and that we're asking people to pay more.
3: In dollar figures based on an average assessed home of $695,000, the property tax increase is $180, and the city building levy is $50. And if you wanted to add on top of that, then you've got
5: your water and your solid waste. The two of them combined, or all of
3: it combined, is $278. On top of what it was last year.
6: Yeah, it's very high, so I just hope it's well spent. A law enforcement that sadly is
3: needed that it's going to be a necessary item for the budget. It's going to be a big challenge for all the families. Big ticket items were released throughout the last week, including a nearly $2 billion investment in housing initiatives and key services. A boost of $53 million for the TTC, along with a $0.10 fare hike for riders and a nearly $50 million increase in the police budget.
7: Why aren't we committing a similar amount of money in programs that we know uh, reduce crime?
3: Experts say the municipal money has been mismanaged for years and Toronto is falling further behind other major cities. We really need some fresh thinking about how to approach how we spend the money we have and how we generate new revenue for the city for the future. Tory says he's looking forward to input from the public and councillors. And if you want to give some feedback for the first time since before the pandemic, there will be an opportunity to do so in person Tuesday and Wednesday next week. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Nathan, back to you.
2: All right. Thank you, Allison. Toronto police are warning people about an investigation into several thefts involving items being offered online. Police say ads for small electronics were placed on Kijiji and Facebook Marketplace, where potential buyers would make arrangements to purchase the items at Gulfstream Public School near Weston and Shepherd. But police say during numerous meetings, the buyer took the electronics without paying. Investigators believe several suspects are involved.
1: Police are offering these tips to meet in a public busy area where security cameras are present, attend the location with a second person and request to view identification prior to handling any items.
2: A popular Toronto training school for ride-hailing drivers is promising improvements tonight.
1: The pledge after a CTV News investigation had raised questions about the security of its online courses. Our John Woodward joins us now. And John, it's been hard for these tests to get rolling.
0: Yeah, Michelle, first Toronto had no requirement for them. Then the city had the requirement but didn't enforce it. Now questions are being raised about some of these tests that don't put drivers behind the wheel at all. Yeah, I was out at uh, 7 in the morning. Uber and Lyft driver Labros Lazarados wanted to branch out from Brampton, so he signed up for a training course that's mandatory in the city of Toronto. He picked the online version and quickly wanted to hit the brakes.
8: I, I think that's ridiculous.
0: He says he saw people sharing answers in chats and online videos and even students who seem to be getting help from others.
4: That boggled my mind if... The person couldn't go through the training themselves. Why are they doing this?
0: That was last year. Since then, the city of Toronto has audited several online courses and promised improvements to a service that's supposed to prevent a repeat of one passenger dying on the Gardner Expressway while their driver fumbled with their phone. CTV News producer Dorcas Marfo signed up to check out the company that certifies just under half of the 32,000 trainees, AMB Driving School.
4: Good morning, everyone.
0: Most trainees paid attention, even though one was driving. With some in silhouettes, it was hard to tell who was who. No one noticed the cameras in the room. Or that Marfo could change her test answers on a PDF form with help from others. That's a serious concern, says the dean of Centennial College's School for Transportation.
6: You're out on the road. You don't have an opportunity to send an email to somebody to ask them, what should I do in this situation?
0: One of the main issues is on a webcam, a student may look like they're alone. But that webcam may not show the whole picture. Someone else could be nearby giving hints or even answers. Since the pandemic, Centennial uses a service that locks down computers, requires an ID check and records the student.
6: They then take their webcam and do a 360 degree circle around the room to show that there's nobody else in that room.
0: We took the findings to AMB Driving School. They said only about 15% of their drivers are trained online where they do check ID have shut down chat messaging and also scramble their test answers to make it harder to cheat.
9: We're rotating quizzes daily. Um, that's a measure that we're doing on our side to ensure that the integrity of our assessments is at the highest standards. Because uh, we want to make sure that we produce safe drivers. That's the most important thing from our side.
0: But they took the feedback to heart
9: that needs improvement and will make the improvement.
0: The City of Toronto says it added a requirement last year that all online courses be done with real-time interaction with staff, saying the city continues its quality assurance program of audits of all accredited programs to ensure they continue to meet the city's requirements.
4: So there's a lot of safety issues that uh, go along with this.
0: All this still worries Lazarados who wonders why training in a vehicle isn't required. He spends all of his time at work behind the wheel. City of Toronto staff didn't respond to the concerns about the online portion of the training and they couldn't tell us how many of the 32,000 drivers that have been licensed are trained online. Uh, Just yesterday there surfaced another video looking at uh, uh, giving answers to these tests so it's clear the demand is still there. Reporting live, I'm John Woodward. Back to you.
1: And if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch.
2: Heavy flooding, landslides, power outages, evacuations and fears, the worst is yet to come. The latest on the severe weather in California that's already taken over two dozen lives. That's coming up.
1: A live look high above our region tonight. It is a chilly night ahead. Might even see some flurries, some freezing drizzle. Might feel a little bit more like a normal January these days. Lindsay Morrison joins us now with a look at the current conditions. I think the wind chill will help on that
10: front. It will, Michelle, especially into tomorrow morning. It's going to feel very chilly through the night tonight. Yeah, temperatures are cool, especially in areas that managed to get some sun today. And that's mainly northeast and east of the GTA. You'll notice that temperatures and wind chills are colder in that part of the province, uh, hovering near the freezing mark in most parts of the Golden Horseshoe, including at Pearson, where we are slightly below freezing, minus one this hour, feeling like minus four. The winds today have been coming out of the east and the northeast. They're not as strong as they were yesterday, but they're noteworthy. And then we had some flurries in southwestern Ontario today. They have tapered off. As Michelle mentioned, we do have a chance of flurries tonight and a risk of freezing drizzle. We also have some active weather in store a little later on. We'll have all of those details coming up for now, Michelle, back to you.
1: Thank you, Lynn. Lindsay. Via Rail is apologizing for letting its customers down during the holidays. Passengers were forced to deal with cancellations and long delays over a four-day period from December 23rd to the 26th. The impact was felt most along the Quebec City-Windsor corridor and elsewhere in eastern Canada. Today, the railway said it should have done a better job of sharing information and providing updates. The Crown Corporation blames the disruptions on a severe winter storm and a freight train derailment via is offering refunds and travel credits and says it will review its performance.
2: Hamilton officials say they hope to have an assessment on their latest sewage leak by early next week. Over the weekend, workers discovered 11 homes were spewing wastewater into Hamilton Harbour and have been since 1996. The problem is linked to a century-old pipe which was connected to a storm sewer. In a separate incident in November, officials revealed more than 300 million litres of sewage have been flowing from dozens of homes into the harbor. No word yet on how much wastewater has been produced by this latest leak.
1: The city's largest hospital network says most of its systems are up and running again following a widespread outage.
2: The problems led to a number of issues for both patients and health staff already stretched to the limits. CTV's Mike Walker is on this story once again tonight and joins us with an update. Mike.
6: Well, Nathan, UHN says it's confident that this wasn't the result of a cyber attack. The network outage resulted in some surgeries being cancelled and further delays today for some outpatient care. The digital systems including patient data at the University Health Network are back online after a disruptive outage that officials say was an internal problem and not a cyber attack. This was completely internal. Uh, We didn't to have any breach of information. Just before noon Monday, the network went down, impacting Toronto General and Western Hospitals, Princess Margaret Cancer Centre, and the Rehabilitation Institute. Was
11: the connectivity between systems?
6: The outage limiting physician access to medical records across the network, virtual appointments were cancelled, and UHN's website and patient portal went offline, preventing people from accessing information about appointments and test results. They're a little short-staffed, and I think it it hampered them a bit to not have uh, the system running yesterday, but we're getting the care we need.
3: They should go back to pen and paper and a regular landline (laughs) because they had no information. For those people with their meds, there was no information.
6: Kathy Davies had to reschedule a radiation appointment at Princess Margaret today where there are more delays A staff input manually collected information from yesterday into the system. I feel sorry for them. There's just too much. They're doing yesterday's and today's in one day, six surgeries were canceled Monday. UHN says it's working to reschedule because
2: our
5: surgeons could not see the images. The patients could not access the information that they needed to deliver care. Um, and in some cases, it might have been imaging. In some cases, it might have been our blood bank and blood information in the labs.
6: Physicians were able to access medical records for inpatients through downtime computer systems. IT teams resolved the problem overnight, but the hospital remains in a code gray. SickKids declared a code gray last month after a cyber attack. There is relief among UHN patients and their families. That wasn't the case. Everyone's getting hacked now, so you
4: never know. That's all especially with all the personal information that they have. Things happened. The important thing was that it got fixed quickly.
6: Now, officials expect the digital systems to be fully restored by the end of today. UHN says there will be a debrief into what happened, and work continues to look into the cause of this network outage and to prevent it from happening again. Reporting live, I'm Mike Walker.
2: Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Mike. The World Health Organization is offering new guidance for air travelers during the pandemic. The WHO says countries should consider recommending passengers wear masks on long-haul flights. It would apply to people arriving from places with widespread transmission. The U.N. agency believes the move would help counter the latest Omicron subvariant, which is the most transmissible yet. It's spreading rapidly in the U.S., and more than 20 cases have been detected in Canada.
1: Patel has reissued a warning for a brand of baby sleepers it initially pulled off the shelves in 2019. The Fisher-Price rock-and-play sleepers were first sold in the U.S. back in 2009. Millions were bought before about 30 infant deaths forced a widespread recall. However, at least eight more fatalities have been reported over the last three years, and there is concern there are a number of these devices still in circulation, both in the U.S. and here in Canada. Fisher-Price says it cannot confirm the details of the deaths or whether its sleeper was involved.
2: It is traditionally the first foreign trip by a new American president, although much sooner than this. Joe
1: Biden will visit Canada in March, informing the Prime Minister today at the North American Leaders' Summit. CTV's Judy Trin reports from Mexico City.
9: Mexican President López Obrador welcomed his Canadian and American counterparts with some ceremonial pomp. But at this North American Leaders' Summit, its top amigo, Biden, who sets the economic agenda.
4: Strengthening our supply chains so that no one can arbitrarily hold us up or a pandemic in Asia cause us to not have access to critical elements that we need to do everything from build automobiles to so many other things.
9: In meetings, Biden focused on investment in semiconductors. The shortage of chips is delaying the manufacturing of automobiles. Mexico is the clear beneficiary here. 75% of the vehicles it manufactures is destined for the U.S., the Prime Minister needs to ensure some economic spin offs come his way. And
7: our capacity to work together has brought us to places of extraordinary success.
9: Trudeau went to the summit to pitch Canada's vast resources of critical minerals required for a clean energy future. But he didn't get a trilateral commitment to invest, only to map out where the minerals are. Political watchers say Canada needs to move faster.
3: If Canada wants to have projects, an investment on Canadian soil, it needs to have regulatory certainty, and it needs to have a timeline for regulatory approvals, assuming industry meets all of the all of its benchmarks, that are something like two years, not ten years.
9: The Prime Minister will have a second chance to advance his case for investment in critical minerals in March. That's when POTUS is scheduled to visit Canada. Judy Trin, C T V News, Mexico City. And on the sidelines of the
1: summit today, Trudeau told Biden Canada is buying an American surface-to-air missile system. It will be purchased and then sent to Ukraine. But no details have been provided yet on the cost or the timeline. The U.S. and Germany are also planning to send similar systems to the Ukrainians.
2: Meanwhile, the Canadian government is imposing sanctions on four senior Sri Lankan officials. Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie says, over the past four decades, the people of Sri Lanka have suffered a great deal because of the armed conflict, economic and political instability, and gross violations of human rights. Ottawa says the sanctions relate to human rights violations during Sri Lanka's civil war between 1983 and 2009.
1: Most of California is under a flood watch as a devastating storm system continues to batter the
2: state. At least 14 people have died and thousands of others have fled their homes. CTV's Tom
4: Walters reports. The deadly storms pounding California just won't quit. Entire neighborhoods are submerged, homes and major roads washed out.
11: Everything is wet, everything is saturated, everything is at a breaking point, and there's more rain coming.
4: About 90% of the state is under a flood watch after days of torrential rain heavy winds and mudslides. We're really kind of asking everybody in the county to, to shelter in place. That tree just came down. Downed trees have knocked out power to thousands.
3: We've been out of power, just got it back on for only one day to lose it again. You know, we have our generator, but we lose heat, we lose hot water.
4: Some of the state's wealthiest neighborhoods are being evacuated. David Peppel was rescued by the Coast Guard after his home was surrounded by floodwaters He says he was preparing to leave when a giant tree destroyed his bridge to safety. And we started packing and getting ready, and we were looking out the window, and then we saw the bridge go. And when that bridge went, there's no way out. We're having unprecedented rain. Former talk show host Ellen DeGeneres shows the rising water in the creek behind her home.
3: hard to be prepared for
11: something uh, this extreme. And again, one weather event on top of another for the last two weeks and looking at another week of, of more rain.
4: While the state reels from this storm system, there is little relief in sight. There is more rain expected tomorrow. Tom Walters, CTV News, Los Angeles.
1: A rare green comet is headed our way for the first time in 50,000 years. The celestial body will be closest to the sun on Thursday and closest to the Earth between February 1st and 2nd. But it should be visible in the morning sky throughout this month, although telescopes and binoculars will probably be needed. The comet was discovered in March.
2: Coming up, a first of its kind in Canada. Peel police on the front lines will undergo anti-human trafficking training to better understand and detect exploitation in our region.
8: And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, do you cook using natural gas? If you do, you should know the United States is considering a ban on gas stoves, saying they're a hidden hazard that are bad for your health. But if you have a gas stove, there are ways to make them safer to use. I'll have my reports. That's just ahead
10: chance of flurries tonight and once again the risk of some freezing drizzle so watch for a few slippery surfaces if you're going to be out and about tonight as our week goes on we will see the development of a low pressure system the timing of its arrival the track and the precipitation types all still a little uncertain at this point but it looks like it could end up being a bit of a messy end to our work week a full look at your weather forecast is coming up and stay with us we've got another full night of great shows for you tonight right here on ctv
2: Many Canadians use gas stoves for cooking, but a federal agency in the United States is raising concerns about how safe they are, calling them a hidden hazard.
1: The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission is even considering a ban on gas stoves, saying they cause health and respiratory problems. Our Pat Foran is here with Consumer Alert. Pat.
8: Thanks, Michelle and Nathan. This story will be bad news for anyone who enjoys cooking with gas. But there has been growing concern that gas stoves emit pollutants that are unsafe and may even lead to asthma in children. Many chefs enjoy the benefits of cooking with gas, the instant heat, the ease of temperature control, and burners great for searing or simmering. But what you can't see might actually harm you. Consumer Reports conducted tests on gas ranges and found levels of nitrogen oxides at more than double the standard for outdoor air.
7: Nitrogen oxides are pollutants more typically associated with outdoor
0: sources like power plants and cars and trucks. But new studies suggest that gas ranges can actually produce these emissions inside your home.
8: Studies have shown that natural gas stoves emit pollutants such as nitrogen dioxide, carbon monoxide, and fine particulate matter. The gases can worsen asthma and other lung diseases and one study found that more than 12% of current childhood asthma cases in the U.S. can be attributed to gas stove use. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission called gas stoves a hidden hazard and said a ban is an option that's on the table.
10: Hearing the word ban was very alarming. Uh, We are certainly not at that stage yet.
8: A group that represents Canadian and American appliance manufacturers is trying to reassure owners of gas ranges that they're not harmful.
10: Your product is safe. Uh, Gas ranges are design safe they meet or exceed all of the existing safety standards
8: a Canadian researcher said it's unclear exactly what the risks are but says pollutants can linger in a home for hours after a gas stove has been shut off you are introducing pollutants
9: into your house and if you can avoid that you know why not
8: Manufacturers and researchers agree that if you use a gas range, create as much ventilation as possible, a range hood should be used while you're cooking. And if you don't have one, open a window or use a fan to help the gases dissipate. And if you're shopping for a new stove, you may also want to consider an electric or induction model. Both have improved greatly. And the Canadian Gas Association also told CTV News today the use of a range hood can help reduce airborne emissions by 80% and that other studies have shown cooking with natural gas is safe. On your
0: side, I'm Pat Foran.
2: If you have a consumer story
0: idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca.
2: I was talking about that forecast, a bit of a mixed bag of weather coming our way
1: i think the folks skating right now are probably having a great time but i just don't think this forecast is anything to get too excited about
10: uh we are looking forward to the weekend because it's going to bring us some sun we can uh, get excited about that but we have to get through some messy weather before that so i don't think it's going to be too exciting for everyone uh still some uncertainty when it comes to the type of precipitation we're going to get more of but at this point it looks as though we're in for some rain before we get into some snow and ahead of that Another cloudy day. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train here's a look at our current temperatures and we've put the color contours on here to give you an idea of where the really cool air is and you could probably make that out it's around the nation's capital ottawa north bay chilly tonight as well and then of course sections of northern ontario feeling the chill it's still mild in southwestern ontario two degrees this hour in windsor and we are just slightly below the freezing mark in the city of Toronto. Overnight tonight, we're forecasting a low of minus 6 degrees, a wind chill of minus 8, and then waking up tomorrow morning, it's going to feel like minus 10 in parts of the GTA. So bundle up. Look at Peterborough. Minus 17, the wind chill overnight tonight. Close to minus 20 in Orillia and minus 22 in Bancroft. Tomorrow at a glance, I'm hoping we'll make it to an afternoon high of 2 degrees. It is going to be cloudy. We have a chance of a few flurries. It's not going to be any measurable snow. Uh, we had a dusting of snow in parts of southwestern Ontario today. You know, widen things out because we do have a storm system that we want to talk about. We really don't see it starting to develop until we make our way into Wednesday night. There's one disturbance to our north. It's going to merge with a Colorado low and bring some active weather to Atlantic Canada. Here's how this starts to play out for us, though. By this time tomorrow, we're seeing some snow in eastern Ontario and to the east of Georgian Bay. A couple of rain showers look likely as we're waking up on Thursday morning. So just a heads up there. As the afternoon progresses, we're now starting to monitor the leading edge of this system. With it, we're expecting uh, by about uh, 48 hours from now, some wet weather, some rain. As we make our way through the overnight hours there's a changeover because the temperature starts to fall we're four degrees on Thursday during the day overnight that temperature drops below freezing and so some snow is likely but look at how much on the edge of the system we are it's possible that uh in a couple of model runs we'll see that low pull further away But the opposite could happen, too, and the low could make its way a little bit further north, which would bring more snow to areas uh, north and west of the city of Toronto. So we're keeping an eye on this one. What you need to know, though, is that conditions look to be unsettled Thursday night especially and into Friday morning Maybe enough to impact the commute. The rest of the day Friday is looking better, and then there's our sunshine for the weekend. But look at the temperature, minus 4 degrees for the high on Saturday and around minus 1 for Sunday. That's the weather for now. Nathan, back to you.
2: All right. Thank you, Lindsay. We're learning more tonight about the man killed in a vicious swarming attack that shocked the region.
10: Police say
1: Ken Lee was stabbed and beaten to death on December 18th by a group of teenage girls. CTV's Janice Golding is following this story and joins us with the update. Janice.
5: Hi, Michelle Nathan. We're at Trinity Square Park right now, where on the second Tuesday of every month, advocates hold a memorial vigil for the homeless. And today, among the people remembered, a 59-year-old Toronto man who was allegedly swarmed last month.
4: On December 13th, a Jane Doe passed.
5: A dozen names were read out at the monthly homeless memorial outside Holy Trinity Church today.
4: Death of Ken Lee.
5: Among them, Ken Lee. A 59-year-old police allege was assaulted and stabbed by a group of teenage girls at York and University last month.
4: We need to remember that he was uh, in the midst of trying to transition out of homelessness, but also that kind of hatred towards people who are homeless.
5: Police characterize Lee's death as a swarming which took place around 12.15 a.m. on December the 18th. Eight teenage girls between 13 and 16 were arrested nearby. I think there's just so much hatred and dehumanization of people who are unhoused and we see that enacted through uh, acts of violence including extreme violence like this case. Lee was transported to hospital with life-threatening injuries and pronounced dead a short time later.
4: I felt about Ken much like I feel about every homeless death that I that I hear about which is that could be me.
11: Well, a lot of people are afraid out on the streets
5: because... Uh, You know, so much violence and bad things happen out here. On a GoFundMe page, Lee's family said, we ensured that he knew we were always here for him and were waiting for him to return home. He wanted to resolve his issues independently and we understood and respected his wishes.
0: There's a humanitarian crisis in this province and these memorial services, it's a nice sign of respect. But really, this is the government's not taking action. What sparked
5: the attack is not clear, although witnesses told CTV News last month the dispute was over
4: alcohol. Stepped up to the aid of his friend who had, um, who had uh, some of her belongings taken that night, and that's consistent with what everybody I've talked to says about Kenny, that he was very kind. On their GoFundMe
5: page, family said Lee would help anyone in need and that he died a hero, adding... This has destroyed our family and has completely devastated his elderly mother's heart. A mother should never have to bury her child. Ken Lee was a beloved son, brother, and uncle. Police say the girls allegedly responsible for this attack congregated downtown after meeting on social media. Their identities are protected under the Youth Criminal Justice Act. Ken Lee is Toronto's 68th homicide victim of 2022. Reporting live, I'm Janice out Back to Michelle and Nathan. Thank you, Janice. It's being dubbed as a first-of-its-kind
1: program designed by human trafficking survivors.
2: And tonight we're getting a glimpse of a Peel Police initiative to curb a growing and disturbing trend. Here's CTV's Beth McDonnell with the details.
12: In 1998, Taiméa Nagy came from Hungary to Canada, thinking she would work for the summer as a nanny. She didn't know she would become a survivor of human trafficking.
10: I was forced into sex
12: slavery, and I was a sex slave for three months here in Canada. I was uh,
10: trafficked all across Peel region and Toronto area and York region.
12: Nagy managed to escape after meeting a security guard who spoke Hungarian. Since she's helped rescue victims with police, supported survivors, and has now played a critical role in what Peel Regional Police call a first in Canada, giving anti-human trafficking training to all of its more than 2,200 officers.
7: This training will equip our officers with skills to detect instances of human trafficking, which can present itself in numerous other issues, which on its face don't always appear to be
12: that way. The training itself is a four-hour video officers take online. While 20% of the learning comes from law enforcement, 80% comes from survivors and the mindset of a victim. A vehicle stop is actually explained by a survival and their lived experience by being stopped by
10: an officer in the past and how different questions would have changed the outcome of that vehicle stop. We explain The number one reason why we usually don't
12: talk to officers, why we would usually push them away. In Peel, there's a confluence of factors making human trafficking a problem. Pearson International Airport, the 400 series of highways and a lot of hotels. StatsCan says Ontario is a major hub for human trafficking with more than 60% of reported cases in Canada originating here. And they say it's connected to other parts of the criminal world, from firearms to drugs and homicides.
7: Which is why uh, allowing us to off-ramp a victim uh, takes one part of the equation out for a multitude of pressures in our community.
12: There are signs to watch for. A person can appear withdrawn, secretive, own expensive items and more than one cell phone. Behavioral signs include coming home late, mood swings and malnutrition. There could also be signs of physical abuse and signs of branding like a tattoo.
10: It's a, such an honor to
12: police say an officer can interact with a survivor up to three times before human trafficking is detected. By better recognizing it, officers hope more survivors can escape. Beth McDonnell, CTV News.
1: Also, tonight Prince Harry's tell all memoir hits store shelves. The response here and abroad as readers weigh in. Welcome back. There's a new medical tool tonight giving some hope to families facing the tragedy of a young child with brain
2: cancer. Health reporter Pauline Chan has more on this technology and where it's being developed.
4: Yeah,
0: so
2: in the past 50 years, there have been over 150
6: clinical trials and they've all failed. But Dr. James Rutka hopes
11: this time they've found a way to get around the blood-brain barrier and send chemotherapy directly to where it's needed, deep in the brains of children with diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma, or DIPG.
6: They might have an eye that has turned in, for example, they may be a little bit off-balance. They may be stumbling
11: a bit. Rutger says initial symptoms are subtle, but DIPG is a tumour in the pons, a part of the brain that connects the two hemispheres with the brainstem, and it affects everything important, breathing, walking, talking, and more. This cancer generally affects children age five to seven, and survival after diagnosis is usually only about 18 months. But using focused ultrasound, a technique pioneered at Sunnybrook, doctors are hoping to safely open the blood brain barrier and allow tumor killing chemotherapy to reach the pons.
7: I'm with patients in the MRI machine. So, this is an MR guided uh, procedure where we use real time advanced imaging to really. With pinpoint precision, identify which region of the brain we want to open the blood-brain barrier.
11: Dr. Near Lipsman has done this procedure safely before on adults with various medical conditions. But he says it's very different on a small child with a developing brain.
7: Any intervention needs to be very delicate, very precise. Uh, and very specific to this, uh, to this region of the brain.
2: So this was a world first.
6: This has never been done before. And so we started with uh, a single patient, and the goal is to treat 10 patients in this manner. This is a really exciting result for us. It's exactly
7: the
11: result that we wanted. Dr. Rutka says the unidentified child is doing very well after their first session with focused ultrasound and chemotherapy last week. And they're planning to include nine more children from Canada and other countries in this phase one trial. Pauline Chan, CTV News.
1: The Golden Globes return tonight after taking a year off due to an ethics and diversity scandal. And among the nominees, Ontario-born James Cameron vying for best director for Avatar, The Way of Water, which is also up for best drama. Also in the running is Toronto filmmaker Sarah Pauly, who was nominated for Best Screenplay with her drama, Women Talking. The film also received a nod for Best Score. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association says it's expanded and diversified its membership and voting process.
2: It's already on track to become the fastest-selling nonfiction book Ever.
1: Prince Harry's explosive memoir Spare hit store shelves today, and readers are finding out firsthand why there is so much controversy. Or Andrea Case has more on
13: the Royal Revelations. Michelle and Nathan, good evening. Yes, I have a copy, and no, I haven't cracked the spine yet, other than to look at the pictures. Now, will it be worth the wait or the cost? At forty-seven dollars Canadian, a deal can already be found. And deal or no deal, this book is making history as it flies off the shelves. Right. Caroline Lennon is no stranger to lining up for royal books. She did it for the Princess of Wales years ago. This morning, she was the first in line at midnight to buy Diana's son's book. In Britain, a country known for tea, Prince Harry is spilling it all in spare. Here in Canada, a more civilized store opening hour, Indigo at Bay & Bloor, saw a steady stream of customers.
12: This is what we came here for. You sound embarrassed. No, we actually came here to see the book. Uh, she wants to buy the book.
13: I'm not a royalist, to be honest with you. You sound like one. I
4: am, yeah, but to be honest with you, he's not one of my favorites. But what he has to say is quite true mm. uh, what's happened with the royal family. Mm. They hide all the facts, and nobody really knows the truth. Mm. So what he's saying is probably quite true in some of the aspects of what he has to say in the book.
12: Because I really want to read the entire book. I've i seen the interviews, I have um, read all the excerpts but I want to just read the book in its entirety.
7: I really like him and after the documentary I watch it. Uh, I really like
4: him most,
13: (laughs) more and more. (laughs) Indigo is not releasing sales numbers, but across the pond, publisher Transworld Penguin Random House says the memoir Spare is the fastest-selling non-fiction book ever. It had recorded a sales figure of 400,000 copies so far across hardcover, e-book, and audio formats. Passing through the store, Tasha's concerns about colonialism and Harry's comments about the number of people he's killed as a soldier does not sit well with her.
12: I'm very, like, critical of,
4: like, uh, military intervention. So I was like, hmm, like, A member of the royal family has, like, messed around with Afghanistan, so I was just
13: thinking about that, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I don't know if I would read the book. Alexa and Humphrey want to unlearn what she's read before the book came out.
12: I'm just interested to see what his perspective is and kind of suss out whether or not, because a lot of people are saying, you know, why has he waited this long? Is it kind of a sellout opportunity, or is this the truth? So I'm just interested to kind of read what and see what he has to say, and... um, Kind of maybe more of an insight on what the what the monarchy's true intentions are.
13: At forty-seven dollars Canadian for the hardcover book, Tony is willing to wait. I probably will get it, but not right now. You're gonna wait for it to go on sale? Right, yeah. I think I'll wait. <laughs> it's for 25% it. off right now. In the UK, pre-orders were 50% off. Some would say what is written in the pages will cost Harry and the royal family too much. Only time will tell. Now, the publisher says, we always knew this book would fly, but it is exceeding even our most bullish expectations. The memoir currently ranks as the bestseller on Amazon's UK, US, Australian, German, and of course, Canadian websites. Harry says this is his last look back, future books will be completely different, and there's three more to come. Reporting live for CTV News, I'm Andrea Case.
0: STARS TONIGHT is brought to you by Last Man's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody.
2: After the break, the threat of mortgage defaults amid the rising cost of borrowing. The big banks weigh in on the extent at which homeowners could be in over their heads.
0: Deep Sleep Solutions. Tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast. How to improve your nighttime routine and the steps to take for quality slumber. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. I'm not going to ban on having a tax increase that is below the rate of inflation, for example. Uh, I am not going to ban on cutting frontline services.
1: Updating our top stories, Toronto's 2023 budget will include a hit to homeowners. The $16.1 billion budget is based on a 5.5% property tax increase. However, rates will actually increase by 7% due to a previously approved 1.5% hike to the city's building levy.
4: That boggled my mind. If... The person couldn't go through the training themselves. Why are they doing this?
2: AMB Driving School, a popular online trainer for ride hailing drivers, is promising improvements after a CTV News investigation found lapses in security around their testing. Of course attendees have also claimed people were openly cheating on certification tests.
12: I'm just interested to see what his perspective is and kind of suss out whether or not, because a lot of people are saying, you know, why has he waited this long? Is it kind of a sellout opportunity or is this the truth?
1: Readers flocking to bookstores across the city today to purchase a copy of Prince Harry's new memoir, Spare. The book created controversy prior to its release over Harry's claims about the inner workings of the royal family and a rift between the prince and his brother and father.
2: York Regional Police say a vulnerable teen from Markham who'd been missing for more than 24 hours has been found. The 17-year-old had last been last seen at around 11.45 a.m. Monday at his school near Church Street and 9th line. Police had expressed concern about his safety because he was not dressed for the weather. He was eventually found safely at around 5 p.m. today.
1: There is a troubling new warning tonight from some of the country's top bankers.
2: Some say because of rising rates, tens of thousands of homeowners could be facing financial peril. Here's CTV's Raheem Ladani to explain. Homeowners across Canada are living through a painful real estate
7: reality.
12: Stressful. That's the bare minimum
11: word I can use.
7: Jacqueline Dobrina and her husband bought their first home in Kitchener-Waterloo last year. In May, their bi-weekly mortgage payment was $977. Today, it's
11: $1,460. Our saving is gone, right? And the mortgage is caught right up at the, the limit. What, You know?
12: So we're losing a lot of sleep, especially with bringing a new child into this world. We're, we're nervous. We're, we're panicked.
7: The economic seesaw of rising interest rates and falling home prices has big banks predicting more people will soon default on their mortgages. Transcripts from a bank conference on Monday show the Bank of Nova Scotia's soon-to-be CEO said, we have about 20,000 vulnerable customers. 2.5% of our mortgage book would be vulnerable. A bit of
0: uh, signaling to the to the central bank saying that, you know, if you continue to make borrowing expensive, more expensive, maybe you are not looking at the defaults
7: that may happen. The bank says the number of mortgage defaults will be manageable and that most people will be able to hold on to their homes by changing spending habits. However, that's little comfort for people with a variable rate mortgage, like Bob Braden, who's retired in Ajax.
8: I mean, is it a case of having to sell a house? We're not there yet, but if my my health deteriorates very quickly, then that's 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 a possibility, which is, uh, which is quite frightening after, you know, spending 40 years, et cetera, trying to, you know, get all those comforts of home and so forth.
7: Experts believe the year 2025 is when the bulk of borrowers will be most impacted by mortgage defaults. Rahim Ladani, CTV News.
1: Meanwhile, TD predicts Canadian home sales will be at a two-decade low this year. The report says steep declines are expected in Ontario, B.C., and most of the Atlantic provinces. The Canadian Real Estate Association says the national average home price was more than $632,000 in November, a 12 percent drop from the same month in 2021. November home sales were also down 39 percent from the year
2: before. On the mark is the loony slip. 21 points to 74.49 US. Oil rose 49 cents a barrel to 75.12. And the TSX Composite Index gained a little over 41 points to close at 19,898.
1: The Raptors welcome the Charlotte Hornets tonight for two straight home games. The team coming off a victory against Portland, but is 11th in the East. The Hornets, though, are even further down the East standings. Tip-off is at 7.30.
2: The Leafs are back in action tomorrow night without TJ Brody. The veteran defenseman has been placed on injured reserve with a rib issue. He sat out Sunday's win in Philadelphia. The 32-year-old missed 12 games earlier this season with an oblique injury.
1: The Toronto Blue Jays are bringing in another arm, adding more depth to their pitching staff. The Jays acquired Zach Thompson from the Pirates today. The right-hander has a 6-17 record in 55 career appearances with Pittsburgh and Miami. Heading to the Pirates is outfield prospect Chavez Young.
2: And the Jays confirmed today they've signed Brandon Belt. The 34-year-old infielder inked a one-year contract worth $9.3 million. Belt brings experience and a left-handed bat to Toronto. he will likely see a lot of time as the DH and filling in at first base. Belt has spent all of his 12 big league seasons with San Francisco. Get Toronto's top stories, breaking news alerts, and watch live. Download the CTV News app. After nearly three months without a winner, could this be the night? An estimated jackpot of $1.1 billion is up for grabs in the Mega Millions lottery draw. and now ranks as the fifth largest in U.S. history, but the odds of winning are astronomical at 1 in 302 million. The top prize for matching all six numbers hasn't been won since mid-October. That's a long time, so I'm going to win that money.
1: They're due, hopefully. Astronomical number. Yeah. We're not really winning any lotteries in the weather department, except for some sun on the weekend.
10: Well, and I will say, if I were to win the lottery, the first thing I'd maybe do is book a trip to somewhere with yeah. some sunshine. Do you agree?
1: I would, no too. <laughs>
10: <laughs> we do have sunshine coming in the seven-day forecast. I'll show that to you in just a moment, but let's talk about the here and the now. It's cloudy across southern Ontario. There have been a few flurries here and there, very isolated and there's a slight risk of some freezing drizzle again tonight and then tomorrow another cloudy day temperature hovering just above freezing through the daytime hours chance of a few flurries as well once again we're paying attention to some active weather likely beginning Thursday afternoon, continuing until about Friday morning with some rain followed by some snow. So stay tuned for those details. And a reminder, tonight's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $50 million plus two Max Millions. Nathan and Michelle. All
2: right, thanks, Lindsay. Be sure to join Omar Sachidina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30.
1: In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca.
2: For Lindsay and all of us at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night.
13: Good night.